Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Lab. Uh, this is number or episode number 39. Um, we hope you guys enjoyed our discussion last week as we started the anatomy series. Uh, we're going to move up on the leg here today, and we're going to go from the knee up to the hip, but we might not talk about all of the hip muscles today. We're going to start basically talk a little bit more about the muscles acting on the knee itself. Um, so it might not be a huge episode today, but still important. Um, anything before we get started, you guys want to add in here about the knee in particular? Yeah, no, no, we'll, we'll dive in and get going. All right. So for those of you who don't know, um, the, the upper portion of the leg, you have the main bone there, which is just the femur. Um, the femur, you can break this down into an anterior and posterior compartment. Um, and basically, the majority of the muscle mass is contributed of the quadriceps on the front, the hamstrings on the backside. You have the adductor group along the inside, but we'll only maybe talk about a few of those in regards to the knee function today. Um, and then we'll also talk about the lateral hip and the ones that actually go down to the knee. Um, so to start, the quadriceps muscles. All right, so quad meaning four. You have the four different ones on the very front of the leg. They start up on the femur. Uh, well, three of them start up on the femur and will go down towards the kneecap or the patella. Uh, there is one special portion of the quadriceps called the rectus femoris, uh, which actually will cross up into the hip. Um, so that, that's important to note because it does cross two joints. Uh, now, for those of you who want to get like really, really specific and be like, well, Lewis, there's more than just the quadriceps on the front of the leg. Well, fine, here you go. Um, there's also a very tiny muscle deep underneath the quadriceps. Um, that is called the articulus genu. Uh, for those of you who really want to know a little bit more on that, it basically just helps to kind of pull um, the super patella bursa, but I'm not going to get in that detail with this. Um, but the quadriceps very important in terms of stability at the knee, uh, especially like, I guess, on the physical therapy side of things for knee stability, uh, post-op ACL patients, meniscus, um, really important for just, you know, controlling depth of squats and then also for power production and jumps. Um, and then kind of flipping around to the backside, um, we can go through all the different hamstring muscles. So, there are four different hamstring muscles. You have the biceps femoris. Now, some people will call that one where there's the bicep femoris and that's just both heads or you have the biceps femoris long head and then you have the biceps femoris short head. Um, those are both on the outside on the backside. Um, and then you also have the semi-tendinosis and the semi-membranosis muscles along the inner hamstring. Um, both important for knee flexion or bending of the knee, um, but also have some um, caveats here for movement in regards to hip rotation, as well as uh, tibial rotation. So that's just something to think about besides just knee stability and like, you know, hip extension and knee flexion, but also some rotation components, both at the hip and actually at your lower leg. Um, so before we kind of dive into the uh, the adductors and the lateral hip, anything you guys want to talk about on the quadriceps and the hamstrings? Uh, so a lot of people probably more interested in ligaments and tendons surrounding the knee and things like that. Oh, you yeah. want to go into ligaments too? 
Uh, yeah, I think with a lot of the ACLs, MCL surgeries and injuries and stuff like that, it would be a good little brief summary yeah. of like kind of the role they play and protecting the knee and things like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, make, make sure you're training and it's like balanced too. I think that was one of the issues that I had when I ended up blowing my knee out was um, my quads were just so much more dominant than what my hamstrings were. So when I had that sudden impact, it it just went. Not a uh, fantastic experience, Strider. Tearing your ACL is never fun. Um, but just to kind of throw in a few different things here before we get into the ligaments then, let's go, we'll briefly go through some, some inner thigh muscles here, just the ones that act more on the knee. Um, but one, one group along the inner thigh that I think needs to be talked about uh, are the muscles that go down to the inner aspect of the knee, and that's known as the pes anterine. Um, you have three different tendons that come from up in near the hip that will actually move down into the same insertion point on the tibia. Um, so for that, you have the sartorius, and that's up into the hip. Uh, starts literally almost right in the very front of your hip and kind of comes all the way down to the inner thigh or inner aspect of the knee. Uh, you have another adductor, which is called your gracilis, and that also goes from high up in your groin all the way down to that inner aspect on your tibia. Uh, and then last but not least, that semitendinosus, which also goes down. So like sometimes when people are trying to bend their knee and they're getting that medial knee pain, sometimes I'll look into that, um, that posterior hamstring gracilis and sometimes even the sartorius just to see if maybe it's any of those um, basically tendons, just maybe those muscles aren't strong or maybe there's something's irritated there. Um, let's see here. Let's save the adductors for another day. We'll talk more about those with the hip. Um, gracilis is kind of a, a unique one, but the adductors will save for another day. But another one that kind of helps control down at the tibia, and I feel like we need to talk about it, is also the, the TFL or the, the tensor fascia latte. Uh, sounds like a coffee. But the TFL attaches into your IT band, and that actually goes all the way down to the lateral or the outside aspect of your knee. Uh, that also has an implication for tibial rotation, not, not a ton, um, but I mean, when people are getting like that lateral thigh pain or that lateral knee pain, sometimes that IT band and the TFL are implicated in that. Um, so just to kind of finish off those muscles, that way we have those all talked about. Um, anything you guys want to talk about with regards to the, uh, the pes anserine muscles, the TFL? Oh, I just don't ignore them. I mean, they're, the amount of runners and sprinters and things like that, that kind of have those kind of nagging little injuries that can honestly just take you out of the sport for a little bit. True. I, I found that a lot of chains. Yeah. I always talk about just training like the major muscles and then kind of don't realize that then uh, smaller muscles can cause some serious pain or discomfort and eventually get lead to bigger things. True. Um, I know sometimes those, how do I put it? We get so focused in training in the sagittal plane and kind of moving through knee flexion that sometimes we don't necessarily think of training like the hamstrings or maybe even like those, the sartorius, the gracilis and the medial hamstring with rotations, um, or like changing up width of your stance. That can also be a big play for those two. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you said you wanted to talk about the ligaments, um, I'll, I'll kind of give a very simple breakdown of the ligaments at the knee. Um, yes. 
Um, so in the aspect of the knee here, um, what you can look for is basically the main ligaments I'll kind of list here is one, you have obviously the ACL, big ACL. Uh, you have the PCL and then the MCL and then the LCL, right? So you could think of them as restricting almost like a passive restraint on tibia and femoral movement at the knee joint. So like you have the muscles that create stability and the, the passive restraints on the knee um, stability. So you could think of the MCL as being like, if your knee gets hit inward, the MCL is going to take tension. It's going to basically, re basically restrain that from going any further. Otherwise it just completely buckles inward. Uh, LCL would be, you get hit on the inside of the knee and the knee goes outward. So then the LCL gets put on a lot of tension. Um, but most of the time when it goes outward, sometimes you can also, or like hit from the front. We're not always hit from the front at like a perfect angle, but sometimes it can go like back and in, back and out. Um, and so then what ends up happening is that the, you have what's called a PLC or a posterior lateral corner, which can also help with rotational stability at the knee. Um, and so sometimes that can also be something that needs to be addressed with like ACL repairs. Um, but you could think of like the ACL and PCL as being like, just like a passive restraint of like forward and backward movement of the tibia and femur on one another. Um, not necessarily a, a great sensation when you tear that because sometimes you can feel that shift. Um, but then the hamstrings will also kick on to create stability at the knee joint when that occurs. Like when people tear their ACL, the hamstrings kind of almost overly excite themselves to create stability at the joint because now you don't have that passive restraint. There's no longer that feedback um, for stability. Um, Trotter, you, you've had an ACL tear. I mean, knock on wood, I've never had one. And Brandon, I'm, you've never had one. My God's a child now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tore my uh, ACL, MCL, PCL, and lateral meniscus. Oh. <laughs> Holy crap. No, thank yeah. you. Yep. So that was a little rough. That sounds absolutely atrocious. Uh, cannot believe you did that, actually. How, how did you do that? What happened? Playing basketball. Ooh. Went up for a rebound and uh, grabbed the ball, like, I don't know, next to the backboard, whatever. Was coming down, like, on one leg so I could take off to, like, plant for, like, a fast break. And it just buckled outside of my foot, came up and smacked me in the hip. And that's how I landed. I just landed on it sideways and heard it crunch and snap. It's almost sounded like uh like a broomstick is what it felt like. And then I remember like I like got up and it was almost like in shock. And then it just started swelling like real fast and it's like a indescribable pain. Like the those who have done it will like understand like it oh, yep, I just tore it. Like it's it's instant, like you know it, and you just become like almost sick. Like I wanted to throw up. That sounds gross. I'm not gonna lie. I hope I never have to experience that. Yeah. Uh, knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah. I probably uh, made it to the hospital like, I don't know, an hour later, give or take. And they ended up having to drain it because it couldn't go <clears throat> couldn't go through the uh MRI to look at it. 
because there was too much swelling. They took 90 cc's of blood out. It was a lot. Oh. Yeah. No, thank it, you. Pass. Yeah. Pass. God damn. Yeah. Um, so now I'm 31 with arthritis, and my wife won't follow me up the stairs because of the sound that it makes. <laughs> Oh my god. You're the popcorn man. Yeah. yeah. It's crunchy. Nice. Nice. Oh man. So besides just the ligaments that are inside of the knee, you know, you have the ACL, the PCL, the LCL, and MCL. Uh, between the two bones, you also have what's called the meniscus. Um again, another passive structure that kind of handles some of the compression in the knee joint but then also allows for kind of a smooth glide and rotation of either the tibia on the femur or the femur on the tibia. So like when your foot is planted, it's more the femur moving on the tibia, but when you're basically have a little floating foot and you're not on the ground, then it'll be more of like your tibia moving on the femur. So, I mean, we could get way more in depth on those mechanics, but for the sake of today, just know that it helps to control the flexion and extension of your knee. But then there's also what's called the screw home mechanism which is where there is a little bit of a rotation within the joint. Uh, not a tremendous amount. I mean, there is some for like, you know, the diving in and out of your foot when you're on like uneven ground, but it's not so much that you want to be experimenting with how much that tibia can rotate. Um, but I mean, that's why we developed the strength and stability of the foot and ankle. Like we talked about in last, uh, last week's episode, um, because when you have a weak arch and your foot collapses and you're creating a tibial rotation from below, um, sometimes that can create rotation and shear forces in the knee, which is just not, it's not fun. Um, anything you guys want to add on the knee joint for today? Yeah. And another, in that, in that sense, no, <laughs> uh, another good way of like remembering like what the meniscus is. It's almost like a, uh, it's a pillow in between your bones with a, silk like sheet on it so then it's smooth silky smooth yeah unless you tear it and then pretty much it just goes away after a while and then yeah, you just you get bone on shred it yeah that's all if anybody wants to donate a meniscus to me i'm willing to take it they actually do have like uh synthetic meniscus implants now true not here in ohio yet one out not in California. Ohio yet? nope it's freaking bullcrap <laughs> I'd have to look. Um but trying to think here. Anything else you guys would like to add in in terms of like training implications for knee stability? We do a lot of that. Uh yep. we do a lot of um I'll do some sissy squats every once in a while with kids that need to really focus on the quad strength. That we'll do backward sled walks, we'll do ISO lunch holds. Um anything we can kind of get those uh tendons and ligaments and uh, muscles to fire but from like a sprint mechanics which is more what i focus more on is the uh, hamstrings are huge i mean your foot hits the ground on like a top end speed your foot hits the ground a little bit outside your uh, in front of your center of mass you got to be able to drive through that which is we do a lot of sled walks for to help build up that strength and endurance through there um the quad don't really do a whole whole lot with uh sprinting it just kind of just takes a beating so it definitely has to be able to strong enough to handle two to three times your body weight to strike in the ground. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Just. We have a lot of uh, jumping on and off of foam. So landing like stability wise, 
marches in the belt squat, standing on foam, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the service you play on has a big impact. You know, basketball players tend to have a little bit more. Yep. Uh, jumpers need and kind of anything else, hard court, and obviously they jump a lot during the sport too. But right. Mm-hmm. So. I think the big thing that most people usually don't don't take a, I guess account for is the muscles that cross two joints. So like there's multiple ways to train particular muscles. Like for example, the rectus femoris. Um, like I love training like L-sit variations with leg lifts um, and like straight leg raises just to get that rectus femoris, not just working as a knee extensor, but also as a hip flexor. And then vice versa with the hamstrings, you know, changing the hip angle uh, or the, I should say the amount of hip flexion to hip extension and making the hamstrings work um, because it does, it crosses at the hip and it also works on uh, the knee joint. So, I mean, you got to be able to take those into consideration when, you know, creating your programming. Um, are they huge hip rotators and like tibial rotators? I wouldn't say a dramatic amount, um, but still needs to be taken into consideration if you have a sport like basketball, soccer, where cutting, pivoting, changing direction is is a mainstay for your movement patterns. Um, trying to think of what else. Which we we load the we load those joints in different uh, planes in the weight room, whether it be a forward lunge, lateral lunge, uh, mm-hmm. reverse lunge, just to kind of hit that different angles that you would do in a in some type of cut or deceleration or anything like that. I think once we when we get into the uh, the hip in next week's episode, uh, we can start taking how we'll do like a brief overview of how the hip works, but then what we can do is kind of talk in how the whole chain has to work as a system. I mean, it's one thing to do isolation, right? But then kind of talking about how like the entire three joints, I'm not, granted, I'm, I'm simplifying the ankle quite a bit, the foot and ankle, um, but those three main aspects of the movements um, as a whole. But before we end today's episode, we have to say congratulations to the Weirig family. Um, Thank you. Now the least mature is the first father. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Appreciate that. Uh, I don't uh, know. First, it's bullshit. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, now I can officially yeah. call him Father Weirig. Here we go. Love it. I love it. Uh, now, congratulations to Brandon and Morgan uh, for having the birth of their first son, uh, Peyton. As I'm sitting in the hospital right now. <laughs> He's dedicated to this podcast. Yeah. He is exhausted uh, labor process. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> terrible. Uh, no. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Uh, and next week's episode, like I already said, we're going to pick up back where we left off, but with the hip. All right. So enjoy your weekend and everyone have a good time.